1: Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, and 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com/jesse and claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, go to puretalk.com/jesse to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. Uh, these stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl. That's 888 84 Jesse, or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out.
2: This is the Jesse Kelly Show.
1: Sometimes you shouldn't have faith. We will get into that today. I will explain later on. We have a political rival arrested. We have Bigfoot hunting. We have a million jobs already lost. We have Tulsi Gabbard taking over the Republican Party. Uh, yeah, we have a lot to get to today. (laughs) But first, I give you my word. I don't care if we have to add another hour to the radio show today. I'm going to finish this little story of our campaign, the Allied campaign in Italy. And even then, I'm going to skip over so many parts. Oh, we will return. We will return to it. Remember... At Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter and Instagram for now. 877 377 4373. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Let us go back to Italy. If you missed the beginning two parts of this, you're going to have to go get the show. <laughs> it's all podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. Now, we landed in Italy. Our naval guns are creating real havoc for the Germans, but the Germans are dug in. They're dug in very well. And at one point, the Germans decide they're going to tactically retreat to something called the Gustav Line. What the Gustav Line is, it was the narrowest part of Italy crossing it. You know, if you were going to build a wall across it, this was the narrowest part, but it was more than the narrowest part. It was narrow, and the terrain was just so absurdly in favor of the defender in this particular line, in most of Italy anyway, but in this particular line. And remember this, because I'm going to keep coming back to it, because it's so important. Italy is the most... Untold story of World War II because it wasn't D-Day. It wasn't the Normandy invasion. It wasn't Pearl Harbor. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. I mean, there's so many of these huge high points of World War II that overshadow other things and often understandably. I mean, you think of the World War II, it's Holocaust, Pearl Harbor, Normandy. It's these things that are big. But the fighting in Italy, and you're going to see this today, the fighting in Italy was perhaps the most fighting and the most vicious fighting in the entire war. Almost undoubtedly some of the most vicious fighting that the U.S. ever went through. It's all mountains. You have Germans, Germans who know how to defend, well-prepared. They in, These Germans invented bunkers and pillboxes. Now, I obviously don't think they invented them, but I mean, they perfected them. I remember back in... World War 1 if you do any reading on World War 1 and you've heard any of my any of my World War 1 stuff Do you remember the the British and the French they had trenches too you know the Germans had trenches and the British and the French had trenches World War 1 was all about this trench warfare I remember reading several times where the British or French would push the Germans off the line or the Germans would vacate a portion of the line and the French and the British would go storming in and they would storm into the, the German trenches and they were just dumbfounded that these aren't trenches. These are, these are entire cities underground. The Germans ran wall- had wallpaper running water. The Germans just do that stuff better than other people. And now you've taken World War II. You've taken the Germans who do that stuff better than other people, and you've put them in the mountains and in the rivers. And we're talking Rocky Mountains. These guys, they're very, very good. So when I say the Germans retreated to the Gustav line, it was a well-prepared line. They had they had prepared ahead of time, and they were always planning to tactically retreat Back there, they weren't trying to die on the beaches. They weren't running, screaming for the Gustav line. They were just, okay, let's move back to the Gustav line now. And before I point out some of the ugly things that, frankly, we did today as Americans, ugly things when it comes to civilian deaths and destruction of historical monuments and things like that, You should know that they all were writing about it throughout the Italian campaign. How sad they were. The British talked about it. The Americans talked about it. There were several countries fighting through here. How sad it was to fight through Italian cities because of the history. Who doesn't know Roman history? I mean, everybody knows some of it. I don't want to give you the impression ever that we were dropping a bomb or artillery or, or blowing up a building with some historical significance and the Allies were all, ha, 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 those dirty Italians, nice, their building's gone. It was something that bothered everyone. And the Allies are starting to get extremely, extremely concerned at this point. You see, you and I get to look back at things like World War II with 2020 hindsight, and, you know, we won. We always won. It was always inevitable. No, it was not. And we were having a very difficult time fighting our way through Italy. Very difficult time. Now, Hitler does make a mistake at this point, if you want to call it that. He makes, he takes a risk and it doesn't pay off. I'll put it that way. You have tons of elite German troops here. But Hitler takes four of his best divisions from Italy at this point and sends them to Russia. And that very well may have saved the Allied campaign in Italy because he replaces his four top-notch crack divisions with three extremely beaten-up divisions and sends them into Italy. Now, there's still German troops, still experienced German troops. These guys are not... Not garbage by any stretch of the imagination, but it does weaken the Germans enough. Which brings us to where we're going to go today. A place called Monte Cassino. You've probably never heard of it unless you're an Italian campaign freak. And that is sad because this is vicious fighting. They call it, you remember our World War I stuff we've talked about before, Verdun. You remember Verdun in World War I, that horrible Horrible battle, maybe the worst battle of the war. They call the Battle of Monte Cassino the Verdun of World War II. It's ugly, and what it is, and you can you can look, you can look it up, and you should look it up. Look up Monte M O N T E, Casino C A S S I N O. It's a monastery. If that's what you want to call it, an abbey. I heard people call it, depending on what I was reading. It's a fortress. It's 1,400 years old. And when I say fortress, it is the most perfect natural fortress I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, why is it a fortress? Well, you and I live, I've talked about it before. I'm not going to go into it right now. But I've talked about our 2020 American version of Christianity we have here. Very much, oh, you know, let's, let's sing some songs and be nice to everybody. We just have to be just have to be meek. Don't slap me around. Well, monasteries used to be fortresses so they could kill people who were trying to kill them. This was intentionally built as a fortress, a place where you could worship God and kill anybody who was trying to stop you from doing so. That's how it was. And if you look at it, it sits on if you're not in a place you can image search it, just know it's huge. It sits on this I mean looks like a mountaintop. It's 4 it's 1700 feet high. And it's almost sheer cliffs around it that overlook the town of Casino. And now we have now we have to fight our way through it and it's going to be really ugly. All right, to talk about that in a political rivalry. Arrested? Hang on, Jesse Kelly. When I first started talking to the Super Beats people, I had a big hesitation because you know, you know, I don't don't work with anything I wouldn't use. I hate beats. When I was a child, my mother used to pickle them. She used to pickle them in jars. And whenever she would do that, I would have to leave the house that day because just the smell of them was more than I can take. One time, she laid them out for me for dinner time and said I couldn't leave until bedtime or I ate them. I just sat in my chair until bedtime all night. I'm not making that story up. Super beets don't taste like beets. They taste delicious. They're two little chewables that you eat Once a day. You eat two Super Beats chewables once a day. That helps you take care of that heart, and that's the only heart you're ever going to have. Do it. It's so easy. Go to superbeats.com slash jesse. That's superbeats.com slash jesse. That gets you two free 30-day supplies. Oh boy, we have Bigfoot hunting, <laughs> not even joking, we have the IRS coming after Trump groups, We it, it, this is, uh, man, they are taking this capital raid and they are milking it for all it's worth and they are doing some really, really, really ugly stuff with it. Something to keep our eyes on because you do not have to look far to see what happens if you don't. Now, back to our story here. Monte Cassino, like I said, the perfect natural fortress. It is right on that Gustav line I told you about. And a funny thing was happening. So we have to step away from Monte Cassino for a second and go to a different battle that's linked with this one. And it's its own separate story. But, you know, we have Italy, and there's this line across. it. Don't worry about where the line is. We're south of Rome at this point, about 80 miles south of Rome. But there's a line across Italy, the Gustav line. And, like I said, the fighting had been mountains and rivers, and it had been brutal, brutal fighting. Germans dug in, period. But why were we doing that? There were a lot of people, Churchill included, who asked, why are we fighting over every single square inch of Italy from south to north when we can land anywhere? We have naval superiority. We can just land our troops anywhere. And this is something. This is something we have to pause on for a moment. Because history is a funny thing, and you get such twisted. Manipulated history out there. And here is the truth. World War II was so much more dysfunctional leadership-wise than you can possibly imagine. Than you can possibly imagine. They were constantly, the generals, the world leaders were constantly yelling at each other hated each other, petty rivalries, political rivalries, generals with gigantic egos. This was a constant struggle. This British general hated this American general, but he also hated this other British general, and he really, really, he had an old history with the French, so he's not going to work with the French over here, but this world, and we don't think about that. When you think about World War II, what do you picture? A Churchill and FDR, sitting there working it all out like gentlemen. And then, of course, they handed all the reins over to MacArthur, who just he just told everybody where to go, and everyone said, oh, okay, general, I'll go do that right away, and it's for the greater good. After all, no, 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 no. It was all still government, meaning it was all still very inefficient, Egos going wild, as you can imagine. World leaders and generals, there's one or two egos there in the room screwing everything up for everybody. It was a dysfunctional mess. And sometimes, oftentimes, when they couldn't agree on one strategy, let's do this, they would try to split the baby, for lack of a better word, way to put it, And they would try to halfway do both. You remember I said Churchill wanted to land anywhere? Why are we fighting through all of it? We didn't. We decided to do both. North of the Gustav Line, so past it, towards Rome, past it, there was a place called Anzio. And the plan was this. Let's land some troops on Anzio. When we land the troops on Anzio, they should be okay because the Germans are so preoccupied with us fighting down here on the Gustav line that the troops who land in Anzio, they, they should be able to tear right through all these Germans and just go right to Rome. I mean, that was the plan. And frankly, that might have worked, except remember those petty rivalries we just talked about like 30 seconds ago? General Clark, he was really the man running the American troops in Italy. Uh, almost universally despised by all of his men and the history books. Not not a well thought of general by any stretch of the imagination. I wasn't there. You know how twisted history can get. Maybe he was a maybe he was a lion. Uh, he is not well thought of by his men. He's just not. But General Clark sends American troops, obviously with the British troops, to land in Anzio. Only he works with an opposite purpose of the one Churchill wanted. Churchill wanted them to land in Anzio and blow and go. Charge right through, head towards Rome, keep the Germans on their heels, keep them discombobulated. Clark is very, very, very worried about taking too many losses. He doesn't like the plan to land in Anzio anyway. So he instructs his general. Instructs his general, um, be very careful. Be very, very, very careful. Don't move. Don't risk anything. Don't. Do- so he's there with the opposite purpose of the entire mission, and it just, I will do Anzio another time. I'm not going to do it this week. Probably won't even do it this month, but just know this. The American troops land there. The British troops land there. And they promptly take their time just loading gear onto the beaches and such. But because they took their time, it allowed the Germans to gather up and regroup up there. And Anzio was absolutely vicious. Turned into a nightmare. Turned into an absolute nightmare. Which brings us back to Casino. Why did I bring up Anzio? I'll get to that in a moment. Casino... First, they start focusing on what? The gigantic monastery on top of the mountain, the big fortress. Remember, there's a town casino, and then there's the monastery up top. They're focusing on the monastery, as you would if you were sitting there. And they're thinking, the Germans must be dug into that place. So what do we do? I I should tell you, there are people who live in casino to this day, Italians who live there, who still hate Americans. What did we do? Well, we bombed it to dust. We bombed the monastery, the 1400 year old monastery into the ground. And that turned out to be really, really stupid for a couple different reasons. One, the Germans were not dug into the monastery portion of it yet. But the second we bombed it into the ground, remember, remember I just got done talking about the rivalries? Well, the Indian troops, there were Indians obviously fighting on behalf of the Brits and they were excellent troops. The Indian troops were supposed to move in right after we were done bombing because that's what you do. You bomb and then move, bomb and then move. Except the coordination was a mess. Everyone hated each other. The Indian troops took too long. By the time we got to where the bombed out monastery was, the Germans were now dug into a perfect defensive position, and it is a disaster. You have cracked German troops on a mountain fortress with perfect fortifications around them. It is a sniper war. It is a booby trap war. It is a mine. You remember that story about, well, I mean, how we just talked about we look at everything as a big victory in World War II. We're losing right now. In Italy, we are losing. We're losing to the Germans. And the fighting conditions are terrible because the Germans were not only great at digging in, they were great at using every part of their environment to their advantage. They actually dammed up a river and marshed the area. They turned the town into a marsh. And now we have to deal with the town. And you thought the monastery was bad. The town is, gosh, maybe even worse. We'll talk about that. Hang on.
2: Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus.
0: Presentation by the parties will commence the week of February the 8th The January 6th insurrection at the Capitol Incited by Donald J. Trump Was a day none of us will ever forget We all want to put this awful chapter in our nation's history behind us But healing and unity will only come if there is truth and accountability, and that is what this trial will provide.
1: Whew. We can only, we can only unite after the trial. <laughs> that doesn't, wait, I don't, I don't think they know what unity is. That doesn't sound right. All right, hang on, I'm going to get to the politician arrested, so on and so forth. Let me finish up here with the Battle of Monte Casino. We now have to try to take the town. And, again, we bombed it. And when I say we bombed it, this is what I mean. If you visit the town today, casino, you won't find a single building there that predates this battle. Why? Because we blew them all up. With artillery, mainly with our air power. Air power is famously, famously inaccurate. It's very difficult to, especially in this era, very difficult to be accurate. We bombed it to dust. And we kept making life more miserable for ourselves, just like we did on the mountaintop. We kept like making life more miserable because bombing it, it's not working. One, the Germans, again, we find out, the Germans invent this stuff, had these huge underground bunkers where they would go when the bombing began. So you're blowing up buildings, you're not blowing up the Germans. That's one. I, obviously, we blew some up. Two, you're angering the civilian population because you're not only ruining your bu- their buildings, you're killing them. We killed a lot of civilians in there. Three, you've just taken, you know what? Let me describe it to you this way a road. So you're, ta- you're taking a city, you have troops, you have tanks. You have a road, picture any road in your town, buildings on either side. Did I help my advance through your town or hurt my advance through your town? If you're looking down that road and it goes from being a road to being mountains of concrete and steel. Now the tanks can't get through. Now there are more booby traps everywhere, more mines everywhere. And the death here, in a two-day span, we lost 1,700 men in just two days. There's so much death here that they were just starting to figure out what PTSD was, you know, night sweats and all these things. They're starting to figure this out, really, in World War II. The doctors who were studying PTSD back in mental hospitals were going to the front line to see the troops here, and they found whole units, with PTSD, every guy up there, every single person, you just exist in this living hell and you have it. And it was a nightmare at night during the day and the Germans are dying and we're dying and, 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 and snipers cause, I mean, it's a sniper paradise when you have that kind of rubble, they can hide everywhere. And like I already said, booby traps and mines, just staggering losses. And the Germans are becoming more and more emboldened. You see, we look at everything, understandably so from an American perspective. Well, the Germans, remember, every German in World War II wasn't some card carrying Nazi. They all loved their country, their families back home loved their son off to war, you know that you know what I'm talking about. that, that national national pride patriotism thing. The Germans in casino are becoming legends back in Germany and they're they're finding out about it. Like they're they're becoming propaganda pieces that they're spreading around to the other German units. If you fight like these guys, we can still win the war. And it's just terrible. And we've tried not one, not two, but three all-out assaults, three different battles and they've all failed. We're losing down here. Finally, we decide to give it a fourth try, and we do a couple different things here. One, we do a more coordinated, more accurate artillery barrage trying to blow them out. Two, and there were a bunch of people. There were Indian Gurkhas and British troops and American troops, and there were troops in North Africa. There were even French troops here. We brought in somebody else, and we're going to pause on this for a moment. We brought in some Poles. And I know what you're thinking, uh, what Poles? Poland's gone at this point, and you're right. You remember Hitler and Stalin at the beginning of the war agreed to split up Poland, and they just spit roasted it. And you, don't, I don't have to describe for you what happened on the German side of Poland. You know that, but remember, Stalin was just as bad a guy as Hitler. Stalin immediately began committing atrocities against those people. I did a show one time on the biggest murderer of all time, most people killed by uh, like a single hand. And I forget his name. I think he was known as the Butcher. And he was the one executing all these Polish guys. But either way, long story short, when Stalin took over, he took the officers, he took the military guys in the British Army, and he promptly executed them all. And then he buried them in mass graves and blamed it on the Nazis. But there were still Polish troops out there. Still Polish troops out there and still a lot of Poles out there who loved their country and wanted their country back and hated the Germans. And this this is something else we're going to talk about for a second. Americans, even at the beginning of the war, did not have a natural hatred for Germans. There was a ton of German immigration into America. There, were, there was German blood all over the, the American troops, Germany was not poorly thought of, even though we'd fought a war against them. They just, they weren't. They were highly trained. We bought German stuff that we didn't naturally hate the Germans. We naturally hated the Japanese because of the barbaric way they conducted themselves in World War II. They, they said you never had to convince an American to kill a Japanese soldier. That was You didn't have to talk him into it. He wanted to kill them all. We didn't hate the Germans like that yet. We hadn't discovered concentration camps yet. We hadn't we didn't know these things yet. The Poles had no such problem. The Poles came down and promptly told everybody these guys are evil. You cannot imagine the things these guys are doing. We sent we trained in and sent a bunch of Polish troops there because we talked Stalin into letting them out of the gulags. Stalin had executed a bunch of them and sent a bunch to the gulags. But so we negotiated their release, got a bunch of Polish troops there. And finally, on the fourth and final battle, we finally won. We finally saw victory in Monte Cassino. And here's the sad part of it, though. Not every story has a happy ending. The sad part of it was... Most people think the entire thing was completely unnecessary. And the entire front and the thing, the, the things these men did to this day, mostly forgotten. And we destroyed so much history. And I think about this sometimes. When I think about our politics now and how how truly, truly ugly the future of it is going to be, way uglier than anything you've ever seen before in, in America. I mean, it's just it, the politics is about to get really, really vicious, really ugly. I'm looking at a headline here from CNBC, Democrats to target IRS in probe of tax-exempt pro-Trump groups that organized the rally before the Capitol riot. And, I mean, the, the things they're doing right now It has me thinking about something, and I can't get it off my mind. Hang on, I'll explain.
2: Jesse Kelly, you're listening to the Jesse Kelly Show.
1: No word in the English language is less convincing than probably.
2: Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure, um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23
1: minutes since I ate. <laughs> I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Surprised they pushing forward with this uh, extra surveillance on would-be domestic terror. Uh,
3: IT'S SO DANGEROUS, YOU KNOW, AS YOU GUYS HAVE BEEN TALKING ABOUT, THIS IS AN ISSUE THAT ALL DEMOCRATS, REPUBLICANS, INDEPENDENTS, LIBERTARIANS SHOULD BE EXTREMELY CONCERNED ABOUT, uh, ESPECIALLY BECAUSE WE DON'T HAVE TO GUESS ABOUT WHERE THIS GOES OR HOW THIS ENDS. WHEN YOU HAVE PEOPLE LIKE FORMER CIA DIRECTOR JOHN BRENNAN, Openly talking about how he's spoken with uh, or heard from appointees and nominees in the Biden administration who are already starting to look across our country uh, for these types of movements similar to the insurgencies they've seen overseas that in his words he says make up this unholy alliance of religious extremists, uh, racists, bigots, Uh, he lists a few others and adds at the end even libertarians. So when you look at their process and they start looking at, okay, how do, what characteristics right. are we looking for as we're building this profile of a potential extremist, uh, what are we talking about? A li- religious extremists? Are we talking about uh, Christians, evangelical Christians? What is, an, what is a religious extremist? Is it somebody who's pro-life? I mean, what, where do you, where do you take this? Uh, you start looking at, okay, well, obviously you have to be a white person, obviously. Likely male libertarians. Well, if anybody who loves freedom, liberty maybe has an American flag outside their house or uh, people who, you know, attended a Trump rally. Uh, Once you start walking this down the path, you see where it leads to a very dangerous undermining of our civil liberties, Mm -hmm. our freedoms in our Constitution and a targeting of almost half of the country.
1: Mm -mm -mm. That is Wait a minute, Democrat, Tulsi Gabbard. We need to get Hans Fieni back on the show. You remember we've had him on a couple of times. He's a writer for the Federalist. He's the one who predicted like six months ago that Tulsi Gabbard was going to be the Republican nominee for president. And I got, I had him on the show and made fun of him. <laughs> Dang it. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly, DC on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm starting a locals account. Don't worry, I'll give you keep you updated on that. The whole show's podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. You can call 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Don't forget it's Medal of Honor Monday. And we have a really cool one and maybe an applicable one today. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Not gonna give it away. You know what that's called right there, Chris? That's called foreshadowing. What? Is that not? It's pretty close to foreshadowing. Shut up, Chris. Anyway, Democrats to target IRS in probe of tax exempt pro Trump groups. You heard what Tulsi Gabbard was talking about. I am bummed out a little bit today. Not going to drag you down. I t- told you I won't ever try to do that. The things we're going to see from the left now as they get more and more aggressive to crush and purge the right, it's going to be ugly. And what is that going to prompt? Well, it's going to prompt ugly from our side. And look, I... I'm guilty of wanting it now, of, of feeling like it's necessary. We had that, uh, what is that Congresswoman's name? Marjorie Green Taylor or Marjorie Taylor Green, some freshman Congresswoman. I don't know her. I don't know anything about her. But talked about introducing articles of impeachment already for Joe Biden. And people are outraged and screaming about it. No, that's so stupid. I defend it 100%. And here's why. The Democrats have chosen to use something as ugly and serious as impeachment as a political weapon for any president they don't like. They just impeached Trump twice. We must, in turn, do the same thing in order to water down impeachment so much that they won't use it as a weapon the next time. Does that make sense? If we only allow them to use it as a weapon and we never use it as a weapon, then they'll keep doing it. But if we visit it back on them, one, they may learn a lesson, but two, the next time the word impeachment comes up, everyone just rolls their eyes because they know it's just a gigantic partisan political game. So I think we should impeach him. Is it stupid? Of course it's stupid. Is it going to work? No. We should do it, though, to water down the process, to disarm the enemy. But remember I said I'm bummed? Remember we were talking about the bombing of Monte Cassino and things like that? I don't like how our country looks at the end of all that. I don't know another way. That's why I've always talked about national divorce, because I don't want this. I don't want this kind of ugliness. But if Democrats are going to use the IRS now to target the right, I know it's wrong, and it's terrible, and it's Stasi-level stuff. When we take over, we should use the IRS to target the left. And I hate that. I don't want anybody targeted, not the right, not the left, nobody, no one. I want to stay living in the land of the free. But what we cannot do is take our desire For peace and to be left alone and quiet, we cannot take that desire and use it to allow them to be the only ones hitting. We must hit too or we will lose. I promise you we cannot quiet our way to victory. Hang on, I'm not done.